Welcome to the Endowment Health and Fitness Podcast with me, your host, Shay Quinn. And on today's podcast episode, we have none other than Mr. Gareth Fox. Mr. Gareth Fox, introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, so my name is Gareth Fox. I'm originally from Mahari, Fadi uh, currently living in, in the south of France in uh, 38 degrees. <laughs> Um, and I'm a RTT therapist, sports hypnotherapist, peak performance therapist, and a journalist. Good stuff, mate. So, Garth, like, in your life, like, what was it got you into the line of work of being a sports hypnotherapist and even just a journalist? Like, was there like a moment in your life, or even like, um, you had an epiphany or something like that? What What was it got you into the line of work? You're in? I think I think that's 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 a good word to kind of use. It was it was like a light bulb moment, um, just simply because of the books that I that I was reading at that time. I um, before I got into sports hypnotherapy, I was I was a writer and I was focused on writing. So I was a playwright. I'm a, a published writer in, in English and in French, and um, I've had plays produced over here in in France at the same time. Um, and I was very much focused on that, even though I came from a sporting background and I had difficulty writing. So I got in touch with a creative coach, so like a, a life coach, but who was more specifically around someone who does something creative, like an artist, a musician, and for me as a writer. And through her, her name is Hoda Safia. And through Hoda, Hoda was just started to, to feed me a new type of thing to read instead of reading all the classics or anything based around literature. And it was just... All these things were sort of illuminating, just little thoughts. And little, I was making little connections with my own life that I'd never thought about before because, I, yeah, I just had never, I was never sort of, um, what's the word? I was never, uh, I was never in that sort of environment where I thought about yeah. myself as anything other than just that's who I am and that's the way I'm going to progress through life. And so she was, she was feeding me like, um, someone who we both like, Joe Dispenza. Yeah. So I'd read Joe Dispenza, I would read uh, Deb Shapiro, I would read uh, Bruce Lipton, uh, Louise Hay, Marissa Peer. And then I just started to see lots of connections. I was reading as well um, Deepak Chopra, and yeah. just lots of connections with little things that I'd already previously experienced. And these people were talking about these things as kind of like norms and easily moved beyond whereas for me it was like okay that's my barrier and that's who i am and that's as far as i can go with this and i noticed that i could really sense in a lot of the work that i was reading my early my previous sports career so i was um i got as far as let's say irish league football i played for Duncan and swifts and i played for the first team once or twice in friendlies at the age of like 17 but i was a um, uh, I got basically to the reserve level at 17 and then I stopped and previously I'd also played for, I'd been part of like uh, Man United School of Excellence in Northern Ireland, Tottenham School of Excellence, Sunderland, Leeds. So I had quite a good youth career but then everything just fell apart, it completely fell apart. I didn't understand what happened but I was being sick before every game. Uh, my performance was just basically going down and down. And in the, the two most important years, like 15 and 16, when you're 16, you can sign like a professional, or not a professional contract, but a, a contract to go and live abroad with yeah. a team. I went from 
from progress, progress, progress to regress, regress in a horrible way, in an absolutely horrible way where I was no longer starting for my club team. And I was like the main player in my club team. And then suddenly it was, everything was gone. Within the space of a year, I went back to absolute zero and I didn't have any answers. And so once I started to read these books, I started to see the answers to my, my own personal problems. And I thought, well, look, this is simple, basic stuff. And if I can help anyone in that situation, then I'm more than willing to do that. So then I went through my own uh, studies to get to where I am. So uh, I studied a lot about uh, neuroscience and then I went on to study hypnotherapy and get my qualification as a hypnotherapist. So it all, it all came from came from writing, first of all, but then just what I was reading and able to make the connections back to my own personal life. And from that go, hey, I can help so many people now because I understand how this works. Yep. Um, this is just a question that's come to my head now, mate. Um, I think what a lot of people may be listening, the, th- the listening here, hypnotherapy, you know, the, the thought that might come to mind is that hypnotherapists on stage hypnotizing people, do you want to maybe dispel some sort of myths around hypnotherapy, particularly when it comes to the sporting context of it? Yeah, so I, I was the same. I was the same. Um, hypnotherapy for me is Paul McKenna in a hotel in Bundoran making people think that they're monkeys or chickens or something like that. That's, that's what we all saw, yeah. you know. It, it's actually it's, it's a really basic thing. And a lot of my clients are quite surprised at, at what it is. And it's, it's simply relaxing your nervous system. It's, it's almost like a meditation yeah. to relax your nervous system because your analytical mind is attached to the top of your nervous system. And in order for you to, what we call to be in a state of hypnosis, hypnosis is simply accepting suggestions. And in order to accept suggestions, you can't analyze them. Because if I said you, you're going to be great at this and you're going to be great at that, but if we haven't relaxed that analytical mind, your, your analytical mind will be saying, uh, in the past, I haven't been good at that, and I can't really do that. So it's just basically relaxing. It's a state of relax. Like a lot of my clients would just sit with almost like a, a rubber neck in a way where it's quite loose and everything is loose. And when they come out of the of this of of hypnosis, they just say, "Oh yeah, I felt really relaxed there. I felt really good. That was that was really good." Now it's not about being asleep. Because we communicate during the sessions, I communicate with uh, with my client. We talk through certain scenes, certain moments in their past, and where this belief is coming from. And uh, it's, it's complete communication. I've had clients stop a session to say, "Hey, look, I need to go to the toilet." There's no loss of control. Yeah. It's just the lack of this analytical mind. That's all it is. Yeah, that's. I mean, I like yourself. Maybe thought that. You know, it was that guy in the stage hypnotizing people, but I've obviously I've read into myself. It, you know, it's like getting your body into that parasympathetic state where it's relaxed. The nervous system is just because your body is a. If people don't realize this, mate, but see if you could see all the nerves running through your body. It's just a massive network of nerves. I know a wee bit a wee bit about it because I obviously covered anatomy and physiology in my course doing it as a personal trainer. So I've got a little bit of knowledge around it, but I know that you see when it comes to the nervous system, if you can control that and regulate it and sort of being able to switch it on and off, because people don't realize when it comes to even peak performance, there's obviously the mental side of it, but even just like people don't realize, I've noticed this when I train people as well, they're like, there's this thing in training called the super compensation effect. 
so that would be basically mate, whenever you train say a deadlift for instance and you get into the third maybe fourth set people actually don't people people think that you're going to be strongest in your first set because logically oh you're fresh you know you've got the most energy there you, you haven't been fatigued believe it or not it's actually not the first set it's actually your third maybe even your fourth set because your nervous system only begins to turn online at that second third fourth set it's like it's kind of asleep it needs to be aroused a state of arousal it's the same as you go from that parasympathetic state into that sympathetic state your, your nervous system comes online and you're ready to go you're ready to fight you're ready to go after it and um, i suppose with your work you almost want in a way the opposite get into a relaxed state of mind to you know whatever i suppose we could get more into like how you've helped sort of anybody you've worked with but yeah like definitely hypnotherapy it isn't a load of mumbo jumbo i know some it's the same with meditation mate a lot of people just switch off when they're meditation whatever they think oh that's just a load of you know bullshit uh, whenever there's you know yourself the likes of joe dispanza his work there's now he's a he is an actual scientist he is a neuroscientist and he's combining science with spirituality and really bringing like shining a light on the science behind meditation and the likes of hypnotherapy so um what about some of the work you've done, mate, like in terms of working, have you worked with athletes and things like that, with trying to help them with their performance and things like that? Um, so just, 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 even, just even as you're talking about, just very quickly as you're talking about meditation, meditation got a real bad sort of, um, it got a real sort of bad name when it came to spiritualism, because I remember growing up thinking, what, you meditate? Ah, oh, man, go away. I don't want to talk to you, you know? It's like, what, what are you doing here? Uh, yeah. At one with nature, at one with... and I'm, But meditation is simply removing the idea of thought so your body can go in the state of homeostasis. Everyone should be doing it. Because yeah. homeostasis is cell repair. It's the healthiest thing that you can do for your body is to meditate, even if it's five minutes a day, yeah. where you just go, okay, I'm breathing in, breathing out. And that's all you're thinking. Your yeah. body will recover. You get a lot more recovery. That's why you should do it in the morning because... Sometimes you don't get full recovery in, in sleep. Your body's still, your mind's still active and yeah. therefore it's still releasing those, those chemicals and that's why you wake up for nightmares and things like that. It's because you've got stress hormone in your body. Yeah. Everyone should meditate. Um, and that, I'm simply saying everyone should take five minutes per day to close their eyes and simply go, okay, I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out. And because they're not thinking of anything, they're not releasing any chemicals in their body and they're... they're immune system simply said oh yeah now we have time to cell repair yeah but um with regards athletes what i do with athletes it depends on where the athlete is in their career and their their, their goal so for example if, if i come if a inter-county player gets in contact with me and they're let's say they're they're, they're, they're well already they're an inter-county player so they're they have a certain level of performance and they just believe that they're missing that next push. I won't go into like a full therapy session there because it doesn't feel like there's any sort of limiting sort of belief in the, in the background. It's just more so a, like a prime in the brain to know that it can go further. It's pushing your peak performance. So what I would do is I would get them to give me everything that they want. Um, in a, in a session of hypnotherapy, you go from storing stuff in conscious mind to subconscious mind, which is then just, um, it's like, it's, it's executed on autopilot. 
And so therefore, I just put in the things that they want. So if they've got key performance indicators, your, your KPIs, if they want to be, if they're a halfback and they want to be in a score position, scoreable position four times every half, I put that in. I, I, I stuck that in their subconscious mind and they execute that without thinking it. So that's at that level. Like I've been doing that with quite a few county players recently. Then you have players who, or any athlete, who can't perform something that other people can. There's something stopping them. Like a, a really interesting case for me was a, a player who, again, was inter-county level, but couldn't shoot, physically couldn't shoot, would get into that scoreable position and then just fist it off. And after fist, fisting it off, then they'd consciously go, well, why didn't I shoot there? But the, the execution was already happening before they were aware of it. Yeah. And that's because... There's a program downloaded that that action of shooting is is harmful for their 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 survival simply because this is the fascinating thing about it and this is why i really get into sports hypnotherapy um your body your your brain only goes to a certain um brainwave between the ages of the last trimester of pregnancy and seven years old it's alpha brainwave at the moment we're beta brainwave we're analyzing information but kids between the last trimester of pregnancy and seven, they can't analyze information. They have to just download so that they can live in a group. It's all about learning how to live in a group. Because if you're not, your body thinks that if you're not in a group, then either hunger is going to kill you, sickness is going to kill you, or the land outside is going to kill you. So it says, okay, we need to learn as quickly as possible how to live in a group. But we live in a new environment. We no longer live in that saber-toothed tiger environment. We live in an environment where we've got football matches, where we've got uh, tennis competitions, where we've got this and that. And we've got people negatively criticizing us for the actions that we're doing. So someone goes to take a shot at under under 12, under 12 level and the manager completely chews them for it and takes them off. That produces the cortisol chemical in the body and the sub conscious mind looks around and goes okay what caused that because that's life or death that chemical what caused that oh we're shooting oh we're not going to do that again okay i'm going to put in a program that means that we're not going to shoot again because it's life or death now once a manager or a person in um in control makes you feel a negative emotion you're that's your tribe leader so you're not going to do that action again which risks being rejected from your tribe so your subconscious mind which is your survival mind is going to put in a program that stops you doing that thing yeah and therefore this player he couldn't shoot he'd get in that position but the autopilot would just execute program fist it off don't shoot don't shoot don't shoot and he couldn't shoot and what you do in in the session of hypnotherapy is you look and you find those scenes you see what the belief is so it's like if you think of a, a large fraction 100 over 200 that's what the beginning of a scene looks like there's lots of information but you haven't got to the root cause and through the session, what I do is I bring that, that scene down and I, I, I make it smaller, decrease, decrease, decrease until we've got the one over two. We've got the pure root belief in this scene that the subconscious mind is going, there we go. Which for these some of these players, it's like shooting is dangerous. Shooting separates me from the group. That's the belief. Yeah. So if that's the belief, then we're not going to shoot. And then once you find the belief, Dismantling or disrupting a belief is actually easier than what you think it is. The first time someone tells you that Santa Claus doesn't exist, no matter how hard you try to make Santa Claus exist after that, it doesn't exist in the same way. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the belief has been destroyed. Afterwards, I also create an audio that the person listens to for a minimum of 21 days because it takes a minimum of 21 days for to make a new neuron connection. 
which is the like you I imagine you're also doing the um, the Jody Spencer meditations yeah and he gets you to do those to make the new connection in your body which is a minimum of 21 days you know yep. so neuroscience shows that in order for a connection to be solid and complete and complete its own circuit that it's that it's there and present it's minimum of 21 days so yes you find the belief you disrupt the belief but you have to put in the work to put the new belief into the new circuit again so it's like if you look at my hands i'm making a circle here for anyone that can't see with my hands just a circle a circuit like uh, what you used to have in school when you're doing sense that switched on the light bulb but there's a faulty part that's a limiting belief through hypnotherapy you take out the faulty part and you replace it with a new more positive belief and therefore the circuit just runs off and it's a new belief but it doesn't just happen in sport you can do this in everything i do this with um people who've got negative beliefs around money because a lot of our parents when we were growing up said negative things about money which gives us a negative belief about money like oh rich people are whatever rich people are horrible they're they're nasty they're snobs and then you grew up thinking oh rich people are snobs and then subconsciously your mind goes oh then we're not going to be rich i don't want us to be rich and that makes all your decisions in the background with regards to money with regards to your, your salary with regards to the jobs that you're going to do the money that you take from clients asking clients to actually value your work that's all to do with your belief system about money like in the beginning i had that kind of belief system too where i was thinking to myself oh i might do this half price and i'll do that half price because and it was actually i had to have a session about it because i had my own personal limiting beliefs about money so it's it's not just like i specialize in sport because i had a sporting career but i do it across the scale on everything and it's so fascinating to see how something so simple which is your body's like recognition of a of a stress chemical in its system looks at its environment sees what released the stress chemical and says yeah we're not going to do that again and that just builds a program it builds a belief yeah and that's really just yeah it's conditioning as well mate like you know social and cultural conditioning that invariably then creates those um limiting beliefs in the mind uh the, you, you brought up a great example there of you know you know being taught that rich people are snobs that's literally just you know i do have a sociology background that's just cultural conditioning for you to believe that it's the same as racism racism you're not born nobody's born racist um it is something that is learned it is something that is taught it is something that people are conditioned to believe and then that becomes a program in their head and you know yourself that would be a very difficult program to rewire it could be done but it's so ingrained the neurons like you said there have wired and fired like neurons wire and fire together and you know it would be very difficult to sort of uncouple that but it can be done like you know yourself um and it's Limiting beliefs is a big thing with jam and pop, you know, and even with, obviously with athletes as well. It, it, you, even you bring up your own example of your own playing career, like obviously something happened in your mind that you, uh, there was a limiting belief manifested, whatever it was, um, that created it. But um, I suppose at the time you didn't realize that. Now you're looking back in hindsight, you realize God, something happened there, a limiting belief manifested. But um, for you, Garth, you see throughout your career what would you say has been the single biggest challenge you faced even working with clients or anybody general population what's been the biggest challenge you've faced um 
My biggest challenge was, and this this will sound strange. This this might sound strange, but the biggest challenge that I had to get over was um, how to talk to men. And it, it, it sounds a bit strange, but for me, this was a big thing simply because I had um, when I was younger, my dad was my dad was really strict with me where it was, uh, look, you don't talk back to me, you don't do this. And I learned this, like, oh, this sort of male figures in my life are there to be respected completely, and I don't question the norm. But not only question, I just, I, I don't even work on the same level as that. You know, I'm not that level. And that's, as a kid, that's what I was learning from, but not just from my dad, like, um, so I'm 33, so let's say, when I was in primary school, I had male teachers in my primary school who completely scared the absolute crap out of me. And I learned to like bang that male adult thing. I was afraid of, I was afraid of, of adult males. And uh, even as an adult myself, I still carried the same program of. And so this was in the beginning when I even started this work, it was like, I found it really difficult to sit opposite someone on screen and talk because because I had this adult male sort of uh, role programmed in my mind that I had to sort of obey this thing. And, and it was quite strange because I was sitting in the opposite seat. I was the one dictating how things went, but I couldn't do it. So I had to have my own hypnotherapy session on that to change my beliefs of how I should interact with adult, adult men because I had a belief that I have to respect adult men and I'm the subordinate, almost I'm the understudy in that and my new environment wasn't that my new environment was the opposite. I had to become the leader in the environment and the person who dictated where we went because I was giving the instructions, I was teaching, I was, I was, I was doing sessions. That for me was a huge, huge challenge. Yeah. The rest, everything else has been sort of relative. It's all sort of anything that I faced has sort of smoothly worked itself out. That, that's the biggest one, I think. Yeah. And it was, it was quite strange to sort of witness and and acknowledge and then it was very interesting to work through it was it was fascinating for me yeah but that was obviously something that was again going back to those programs and conditioned you you were conditioned to believe that at an early age and you know yourself mate at such an early age like the young mind is so impressionable so if you you know if for a neuron to be created at that age you know like you, the i think it's the plasticity of your brain at that age as well is very, um, what would be the word, fluid. Like, you know, if a neuron or a program is going to be created in your mind, it's the prime time for it is when you're a child in that development stage. That's why whenever you get to, like, older age, it's more difficult to reprogram your brain because it's less plus, it's less, there's less plasticity, so to speak. Um, but, yeah, that's fascinating, actually. Um, it's... It's completely necessary. This 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 whole idea of um, the plasticity of children's brains and uh, the, the frequencies that they get up to—it's completely necessary because it's built in by nature. It's yeah. built in by nature with this idea of you have to learn how to live in a group as quick as possible. What's the best way to do that? Well, download everything that's in your environment. That's it's com it's it's designed by nature. It isn't just a fluke that this happens. It's it's meant to happen. But the unfortunate thing is once you remove the idea of analysis and you have to download everything, 
no one tells you what you can and can't download and what you should and shouldn't download. You just download everything. That's yeah. why we have limited beliefs. Yeah. Any parent that ever said to their kid on two or three occasions, look, that's not good enough what you're doing, that's rubbish. That kid now has a belief that what they do is rubbish yeah. because it's repetition. They don't have that analytical mind to go, oh, mom was just angry today. She didn't actually mean. They just go, oh, what I do is rubbish. And that's... And he was a plastic surgeon. So he'd done a lot of surgery for people. And what he found was it was to do, you know, like self-image as well, having a positive self-image. He found the people who, you know, say the one, say a guy had a scar on his face and he wanted to um, get it removed or fixed. And he was really self-conscious about it. Um, he often found that people, when they got the surgery, and physically speaking, they looked great. They looked the way they wanted to. They were still unhappy. Even though they got, like, physically, they, they looked the way they wanted. And he came up with his theory of, like, there's something deeper going on on the physical level. So that person obviously had work to do, not just on the physical level, but the emotional, the spiritual level, deep in their subconscious. They still had this belief in their mind that they were inadequate or they didn't look good or they looked ugly. Um, in other words, they didn't have a great positive self-image. Whereas he used the example of another person with a scar, but he was a veteran, a war veteran. And even though by proxy, you could say he also is disfigured. He also, you know, is not really much different than the guy who got plastic surgery to remove the scar. Yet he actually wears his scar with pride and is actually like, you know, isn't ashamed of it or doesn't think he's ugly. But the reason why he thinks that is because he has a positive self-image. So he was also big in belief systems created in your mind. Um, and I found his work fascinating. You should look into his work, mate. It's called Psycho-Cybernetics, his book. Um, he sees, like I said, he's seen the human organism as like a cyborg that could be reprogrammed. Uh, when especially it comes to limited beliefs. But are you familiar with Vinnie Shorman, sports hypnotherapist? Yes. Um, I actually have a tab opened on my computer but it's been open now for about six months uh he was actually speaking on joe rogan yes so he does he does a lot of stuff with uh muay thai fighters and kickboxers and guys like that yeah. now, i watched a little bit of him uh on on that podcast and i just there's something about it i just felt that he lacked this kind of the realism and the basic understanding of why it happens. He knew the, the how and the what to do and what he could do. But it just felt like he lacked them. Like your example there of uh, the guy with the scar on his face, that's, that's, that can be explained really basically with the, the, the rules of the mind and, and the, the, how the mind just looks for survival more than anything else. And I, I just felt like he lacked a little bit of... of um, Understanding, but in saying that, it's just a podcast, and no doubt he he's as qualified as I am, or if not a lot more, yeah. and has a lot more understanding. But I just got from him, I was like, yeah, but you're saying that, but give this little piece of information too, because that's that's completely relevant. And but I know I know that he exists, and I know that he's done very good work. Yeah, I he probably he was maybe mindful of the fact that he was on Rogan's podcast, and the audience mightn't necessarily have, you know. He probably didn't maybe want to get too technical, so to speak. 
because he was mindful of yeah. the mass audience that Rogan would appeal to. I don't really mind, mate. Like, I, I'm fascinated by your work, so I don't mind getting into the nitty-gritty of it. But, um, and, this, and the real science behind it, because that's what, that's what a, people these days, like the, it's like the need to see the science to believe it. Science is the new mysticism these days. Science is the new religion, so to speak. Um, you know, and it's just the West, the Western, you know, paradigm of what has to be proven by double time placebo controlled studies and all this stuff. You know, people just need to see that, and that's why I like Joe Dispenza so much, mate, because he does bring you that science. Yeah, he brings that science, but he also brings the spirituality, and I, I want to see spirituality really appeal and, and grow and become a mass movement because the world needs to become more conscious. Um, and you were t- we touched on meditation there. I personally meditate for up to thirty minutes a day, mate. A guy, um, I heard, remember reading or reading in a book one time. Uh, it was a guy who was once a monk. He says that you, everybody should be meditating at least an hour a day, and if days you're busy twenty minutes, like that's what he's saying. Um, and I can I'm sure yourself as well. I can speak to the benefits of meditation. It's especially if you read Joe Dispenza's work, it will blow your mind what the mind is capable of doing in terms of the healing capacity it has. Um like I've I I've I've read Breaking the Placebo or sorry, You Are the Placebo and hearing things like people who had stage four cancer going to his workshops, achieving remission like complete cured remission after doing his meditation. Like what what you're talking about there and what you just said earlier about the double blind test I'm actually writing at this moment an article to counter an article in Gaelic Life by Joe Brawley yeah. completely like he, he, was, he set out to debunk anyone who's trying to make a quick bob of uh, COVID by saying that they can heal them and that kind of thing and there are fraudsters and there are cons in, in, in that type of work but then he went on ahead to completely like destroy anything that went under the name alternative and alternative me- medicine. And to be fair, at the moment, like Joe Dispenza is alternative medicine, and uh, Deepak Chopra is alternative medicine. And he called Deepak Chopra like the, like you know, the, the biggest con of them all. And what 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 we're talking about is uh, the, the the power of the body and the mind itself to heal is actually scientifically proven yeah he said oh you can't you can't take any of these energy healers and whatnot you, you they're all cons he called them bullshit artists and cons and he said their work was pure bollocks and i'm i'm sending off an article over this week about about that and it's actually about um the fact that all this is measurable there's a really great book by uh dr bruce lipton who is a um, a cell biologist called yeah. the biology of belief yeah. and it's you can find a lot of joe dispenza's work in it joe dispenza works off the principles of dr bruce lipton which is your environment creates the biology within your body yeah and how that works in my article i'm going to talk about two cases of the same thing you have passenger one and passenger two passenger one has a phobia of flying passenger two doesn't so passenger one and passenger two they take the same flight every day for six months. Passenger one, because their belief is that they're going to die in an airplane, their body produces cortisol, stress hormone, because they're stressed. Passenger two doesn't. He just goes tranquil, 
uh, that's a French word, uh, tranquil, uh, calm, just over his, his journey. After six months, passenger one will show, first of all, physical signs of uh, being in bad health. Mm-hmm. And internally, they will be in bad health because they will have cortisol flooding their body every day. And that's only simply caused by a belief of your environment. The difference between passenger one and passenger two is simply a belief yeah. of what it means to be in an airplane. Beliefs are measurable things. All passenger one has to do to recover is change their belief about flying and therefore no stress hormone is created anymore. Yeah. And therefore once stress hormone leaves the body, this is what meditation is, your homeostasis, your body can return to cell repair. And that's how if you change your environment and you change your beliefs of your environment, you can recover from things. You can physically cure yourself by changing your beliefs about your environment, your perceptions, how you perceive an event is how it affects your internal structure. Yeah. And like that's, that's why I think... I didn't want to write a, a column about it, a, an article about it, because I know Joe is a very intelligent man, and no doubt if he wants to, he could he could rip me to spreads. But what he's saying is fundamentally wrong and dangerous, and he's taking turning people's opinions away from the new sense which is coming through, which is very important, yeah. which is your beliefs create your health. You have the placebo effect, your positive of a positive belief and you also have a measurable nocebo effect a negative effect of a negative belief most cancers and heart conditions and immune diseases are caused by how you perceive your environment which releases cortisol yeah it's about what you believe is happening in your environment we can be in the same building the same thing can be happening around us but your belief of what's happening can give you a, either a positive or negative chemical reaction, and the same for me. Yep. And, you know, even for anybody listening to this podcast, you know, we'll point you in the right direction of resources if you want to even explore this, Joe Dispenza's work. I'll even say another example from the book, mate, when he does the meditation workshops he runs, like they're maybe three-day or week-long sessions, he has teams of scientists come in that, that have equipment that measure the energy and like I'm not too sure in the sense, but the, they're objectively measuring the the change in energy in the room, and every time yeah there there's the the this like the readings are completely off the charts, there the energy completely shifts, uh, on these objective tests and he has scientific data to prove, this like people like I swear like like look into it, anybody who doesn't believe this people who are paralyzed from the neck down being able to stand up after doing a week-long meditation workshop with him where he guides them through the process the meditation you know like i think some people are probably think right this is all wishful thinking but it's not really it's not really just sitting and thinking right i want to cure cancer oh it's so much more nuanced and complex than that that you do need to go to, you need to invest in getting into joe Dispenza's work picking up on his meditations even if you're in a really bad situation going and maybe going to one of his workshops it, it takes you know, and then at the same time, I wouldn't dispense with, you know, conventional treatments for things as well. It's using those things in conjunction. Um, like, I hate the way as well, like, the likes of, especially amongst doctors, 
they would sort of dismiss things like Indian ancient medicine and Chinese ancient medicine as just quackery and it's nonsense and it's not effective. When at the end of the day, you know, it's really just fucking cultural relativism in the sense that for thousands of years, those people have been using a lot of those herbs or sort of plant medicines to cure various different ailments. And the only reason why they're sort of laughed at or scoffed at by those scientists in their ivory towers is because there's no research to prove. But the science is changing, mate. And alternative medicine uh, and functional medicine is beginning to, to grow in prominence. And I'm confident that those things will come to the fore and the likes of that Western medical paradigm will be broken. It may, it may take a while, but it's for too long, those scientists, I wouldn't even call them scientists, but they're technicians in the sense that they're getting paid by big like vested interests to sell, to sell drugs. These, these pharmaceutical drugs that often are just a band-aid approach to solving a lot of problems. You look at the opioid crisis in America, you look at the, the effectiveness of certain cancer treatments like radiotherapy, chemotherapy, honestly, mate, half those treatments just make things worse. Whereas yeah. if people just... Re- go on, Ed. Go on, Ed. Go on, Ed. Well, I was just no, going to... Uh, go ahead, mate. You finish. Um... This is this is part of the article that I'm that I'm writing because I've been I've been reading around the the facts around it. So first of all, in America last year, the third biggest killer was uh, pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals was the third biggest killer. Yeah. Now, these things are sort of meant to help you, but they are creating their own mess, and there's not a lot um, of, of media attention put on that because big pharma is uh, it's one of the biggest. Um, industries in the world and therefore these things are quite easily silenced but the dangerous thing about big pharma is that because the the results in in every experiment in all experiments you have to um allow for the placebo effect and you can measure the placebo effect by how much how many what percentage of the group improved and the placebo effect almost in every occasion matches that like significant improvement of the medication itself so therefore, it shows that the placebo effect works. It works just as well as the pill. Yep. But you can't sell the placebo effect. So therefore, we don't put any research in behind it. And they try to dismiss it. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to make it that you no longer have to include the placebo effect in the test. In the clinical trials, you can remove the placebo effect. So you just have this percentage of the, the, the people who took the drug, uh, they, they improved. And these people who didn't, take the drug didn't improve therefore the drug works yeah and their big pharma are taking away this idea of we're going to put in a third group which is people who didn't take the drug but we told them that they took the drug and they improved which is a fundamentally hugely important part of health and uh medication and and everything like that the placebo effect is hugely important but because there's an invested interest with within big pharma they're removing that because they can't make any money off it. Yeah. That's the dangerous thing. That's the really dangerous thing. Yeah. Um, another example has come to mind as well from Joe Dispenza's book. Um, he cited an example of a, of a man who was diagnosed with basically stage four cancer and was on death's door, maybe a couple of weeks to live. But then the doctors said, well, we've, we've this, well, there's this new drug that they're trying that was derived from horse blood or something like that. This was way back in the 60s, mate. And 
um, he was then accepted to be on the trial for the drug. So it actually turned out that his doctor, it, it was some sort of mix-up or mistake, but he actually ended up not even taking the drug. He took the placebo, the sugar pills. And but the doctor had told him, you know, this this drug is effective. It can really like it has a good chance of curing your cancer by simply taking these sugar pills, which for people listening, that is what placebos are, or their saline injections. You know, just nothing. It's just your sugar pills or saline injections. So the guy took the placebo, and his cancer had actually begun to go into remission. It then came out in the media of the time of thinking in a television advertisement that this particular or in the news that this drug was deemed to be completely ineffective um there was no real data to back it up this guy who was basically in remission heard about this and within a couple of weeks his cancer came back so the doctor at the time sort of tried on that maybe this placebo fact is something that's real so he himself just gave the guy an injection and says, listen, this is a newly, this is the same drug, but it's been adjusted slightly. So it's doubly concentrated. It's, it's, it's been proven now to be very effective. It's double the dose. It's, it definitely will make a difference. He took, it was just a saline injection, mate. His cancer went back into remission. And then, this is the story is mad. Then it came out that the FDA in America completely banned this drug. It was no longer available. Um, nobody could use it. This guy, of course, seen that again. His cancer came back and he died. Eventually, because the drug, the belief now, the dominant belief in his mind was this drug, no chance, could not be effective whatsoever. And he died. And that was a real life example of the power of the placebo and what the mind, he, he wasn't getting any drug. It was just sugar pills or a saline injection. But his belief, his belief, that what he was taking was was actually curing his cancer, is because his mind was beginning the process of him. So, and that's just one. You you know yourself, mate. You've looked into Joe Dispanza's work. It is one of many examples of that working. And um, there are numerous examples if you look into his work, like the becoming superhuman is another good book of his as well. So, for anybody listening to this podcast, it isn't quackery it isn't pseudoscience which a lot of people would would say but it, it is there is real science behind it especially now with his work and other people bruce lipton as well like they're really beginning to become the four but uh, that's why i was drawn to you, you as well mate because you had your background in hypnotherapy and you were sort of your interest aligned with mine in the likes of joe dispenza's work and the power of the mind and stuff like that but um just just uh ask you another quick question garth um See over the, probably over the course of your career as well, what has been like what has been the one big lesson you've learned? It could be personal or professional, but just what 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 has been the one big per, lesson you've learned? One big lesson I've learned is that nothing is fixed. Yeah. Like you aren't who you are today. Basically, who you are today is. If you imagine your body as um, as a building, and a building is built by multiple blocks being stacked on top of each other, and those blocks are beliefs. You today, your health, your your success, your personal relationships, everything is just 
a collection and a representation of your beliefs. And that isn't you tomorrow. Because if you change one of those beliefs today, then your life slightly changes tomorrow. And a lot of people have this idea that this is the hand that they've been dealt and this is how they have to go through life. Okay, I'm like this, I'm like that. Like, um, you're a personal trainer. I've, I've worked with um, people who've had really bad eating habits and they just go, but that's just who I am. Yeah. I eat like that. I said, no, that's just what you believe. But it doesn't have to be like that. We just change your belief around food and then you have a completely different execution. It's like, this is one that, that I really like that uh, Joe Dispenza said, that it took me a little while to really sort of grasp is in order to change your personal reality, which is your life, you have to change your personality, which for me is your beliefs. My personality today, the person that you're talking to is the personification of my beliefs. And that's it. That's the biggest lesson I learned was no one is fixed. Like no one today has to be the same tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Everything is changeable. As long as you just put the effort in to change that belief and all beliefs are changeable. Yeah. Brilliantly said, mate. Definitely, I completely agree with that. It's you're not a fixed person. It's the same as having a growth mindset. You can't just limit yourself to being this way. And somebody saying that, oh, I'm this person. It's the same with this training, mate. Like, uh, it's it's um, I'm trying to think of the term. Um, Carl Rogers talks about it. He the like this the psychologist. Um. Blanking on what that term is, it's basically creating a false paradigm about yourself. Um, I blanked on the term he used, but yeah, it's just creating a, fa- a fallacy about yourself. Like those people who have that eating disorder, or so many. You ever hear when someone says, "I'm not an exercise person," they're literally creating that identity. Like that's their identity. Like it's fixed. Like they can never be that person who does exercise. They just consign themselves or resign themselves to being that person who doesn't exercise, but it's literally just them creating a limiting belief and then it's just being implanted and fixed in their mind like a program. But that's that's what the likes of me and you mate, like like in our own individual work trying to break like change people's minds and, and get them to change their self image and their personal identity, like you said, their personality to see themselves in a new light. Because no one, no human being is fixed it's you can't possibly think you're fixed there's always scope and room to grow do you know what the 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 scary thing is and a lot of people don't realize this is that right so your subconscious your your mind is split into your subconscious mind and your conscious mind your conscious mind is only five percent of your day yeah your subconscious is 95 percent of your day Um, when i say your subconscious it's all the things that go on in the background that you have no idea of happening so if you're driving the car and you get from a to b and then suddenly you arrive there your subconscious mind has brought you there. It's your autopilot. It's all your programs that go on in the background. And the thing is, all the programs that are you, all that 95% of you, are actually your programs from your parents or your teachers or your carers. So 95% of you isn't actually you. So when someone says, that's just who I am, it's like, no. That's a program that you learned. Actually, you downloaded from someone else. So when people said, Oh, I never wanted to be my dad, but I ended up being my dad. It's because 
you learned all his programs and that was a natural thing that you have to do but you can then choose to go up oh, then I'm actually like this so yeah it's complete makes complete sense when people say um, oh yeah this this is who I am but it's like it's not who you are it's what you learned that's yeah. it it's a learned thing yeah 100% mate um, so uh, if you could if you could leave the world say that's hypothetically say Garth um, you had to leave it was time to die so to speak or leave this earth and all your work was being taken away and you could only leave the world with three things you know to be true three golden rules of life so to speak um, again it can be personal or professional but for you what would be like three golden rules to live your life by from what you found three golden rules to live your life by um, first one would be welcome change Yeah, that's a very difficult thing to do to welcome change I myself have been guilty at times of trying to control my outside environment especially at, at home and stuff oh this needs to be clean that needs to be clean because i'm afraid of the change that these things can sort of implement in my life welcome change see it as a positive change is brilliant yeah. welcome it so welcome change number two is i think it has to be a the learned thing and a lot of people think, oh, I, I'm not that. But learn how to be empathetic. I think yeah. empathy is like, uh, is gold dust. It's one of the, it's one of the greatest things that, that you can have. have. Empathy for your fellow individual, your, your brother, your sister, your whoever's in your environment and everyone else. Empathy, a little time and a little understanding for other people will go a long, long way. And the third thing that, that I'd like to leave is... Maybe this one comes as a little bit more firmer and a little harder. Never settle. Don't settle for something. Yeah. Because that comfort zone that you create for yourself is is death. Yeah. That's it. Like it's don't 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 settle. Move on to the next thing. See where else you can go. It's not it's not about um status and I achieved this goal and I whatever that. It's just finding out who are you and what are you actually capable of and when you're not capable of do you think eventually you can make yourself capable of that thing it's it's not about winning titles and having status it's just about your little challenge with yourself in life yeah powerful three truth mate um i totally agree with you um definitely when it comes to never settling for less because you know yourself you don't grow in comfort zones you grow in growth zones um and i think people need to People need to push the envelope and step outside their comfort zones because I myself, and I'm sure you're the same, I don't want to live a life of mediocrity. I don't want to not really live up to my true potential. That's why I'm constantly learning, growing, evolving, wanting to expand my mind and expand the horizons of possibility of what I can achieve as a human. Um, and that's why I have like, the likes of yourself and anybody else I've had in the podcast because... I do believe in wavelengths, mate. I believe in people giving off vibrations. I believe in, you know, again, any of listening to this, if you're switching off, I don't really care. I do believe in that. I do believe people are, we're drawn to each other, we're attracted to each other. 
me and yourself, we obviously have a lot of shared interests and our interests are in line with me. That's why I was drawn to have you on the podcast. Why That's why you were drawn to engage with me. And that's why we're talking right now and having this conversation. And that is also why the, the, the scope and breadth of this conversation has lasted this long. I know for, I, I say this to people all the time, yet there's, there's people I know, I've known for years, I've grown up with them and I could not have this type of conversation with them. I, I could maybe have a, yeah. a, a 10, 15 minute conversation with them about small things in life even though I've known them much, much longer than you, Garth, but it's because I don't, uh, you don't click with that person in the same way I would click with you when it comes to certain things and certain interests. So, you know, that's a takeaway for people as well. Expand your mind. If you don't, if you're not into, like we talked about meditation, that would be another big takeaway for people is to begin. No one's asking you to become a yogi. No one's asking you to, to sit on top of a mountain and meditate. I hate, I also hate the stereotype around it as well, that there is this whole thing of crossing your legs, you know, doing arms and things like that, which is, you know, it gives it a bad name. Um, there's many different resources you can look into, Joe Dispenza's work, I like Sam Harris's work as well, like he has a guided meditation as well. Um, so meditation, mate, like for anybody listening, start off small, even if it's just 60 seconds a minute, and work your way up. It will have a profound impact on your life. Um, I'm sure you can say the same for yourself, Garth. I mean, when it comes to stress management, because we talked about cortisol. Cortisol is one of the drivers of disease. The word dis-ease, when you break it down, is dis-ease. It is when your body is, the homeostasis is disrupted and it's in flux. And that is caused by cortisol, which produces inflammation in the body and that can all spiral out of control and cause things like cancer and like heart disease and whatnot because your body is not in its homeostasis. It is constantly, when you're walking, and this is the problem as well, I mean, people walk around in that fight or flight mode all the time. They're walking around in that sympathetic state where they're ready to go, ready to fight, ready to flight because they're stressed out about, and they don't even realize it as well. We talked about the subconscious mind. They're stressing subconsciously as well as consciously. Even when they think they're relaxed, they're probably not even. They're probably stressing subconsciously because they're not putting in the practice things like meditation and, and mindfulness and other stress management techniques. Their dad's probably poor. They're not really training either. And, you know, those things would go a long way to help them too. But even people who do train and dad correctly, if you're not meditating, begin. Because it's adding that extra layer on top. And I'm big on holistic health. Um working on all domains of your health, your spiritual, your emotional, physical, mental. Um, and if you really want to live a truly holistic and fulfilled life, you need to be working on all those things and not be married to one paradigm. Open your mind up. Like you certainly open, like, well, I already had open mind, mate, but even looking at your work, you've expanded my mind even further. And that's really what this podcast is all about, is expanding people's minds and their horizons about what is possible. Um. But yeah, I'll take a minute to acknowledge you, Gar, for your work, because your work is, I like, I love it, it's phenomenal, and I do want people to look into your work. Um, Is there, do you even want to say where we could find your work, mate? Where would be the best place? Like, um, website, Instagram, things I like have, that? I have my own, my own website, but I'm, it's one of those sort of works in progress things that I don't know what should actually go on it because I, I do, like, um, I'm a journalist for, first of all, for Gaelic Life and then I'm also a journalist for multiple newspapers in and around back home. So I, I'm living in France, but I'm actually writing to all those papers back home about mental 
with health and about just little simple things that you can do just to put yourself on a like um on a higher platform um so i was thinking about maybe writing a blog so my website yeah i do have my website so it's basically www.garth uh, what's that slash? It's not the, the, the under slash, it's the middle slash, so garthfox.com. Yeah. Or um, I use, I actually use my Facebook maybe more often, which is garthfoxrtt. So it's Facebook garthfoxrtt, or yeah. I have an Instagram account, which is uh, sports hypnotherapy. Yeah. So anyone get me there, or they can contact me on contact at garth slash fox.com. Yeah. And for anybody listening, I'll link all of Garth's work is is um social media on his website in the podcast notes. Um well Garth, this conversation has been so powerful, so insightful and enlightening. So we'll finish it off, mate, with a question I'd like to ask all my guests. Um and it's what does it mean to you to live a life of endowment health and fitness? Um that's a tough question. I think, I think on, on a personal level for me, I'm, I'm still a very social being. So that kind of thing in that direction is always about my interaction with other people. Yeah. And I think with, you, you really have to upgrade and, and work on, on health and fitness simply for your interaction with other people. You talk about energy. I'm a big believer in energy. And it, for me, the whole thing comes down and it, it, it's fundamentally all about energy and your, your connection with other people, yeah. I think. Yeah. That's, get, get yourself in a position where you are working on a great level. It doesn't matter what age you are. We're not talking about what you're able to, to, to lift or physically able to do, but it's to get yourself in that zone where you know that you're radiating a frequency that is great to be around. Yeah. And then just be around people. Yeah. Like there's, um, um, there's a great experiment that I always tell everyone to look at on YouTube. And it's about uh, it's like 30 metronomes, and they're all set off at different times, different speeds. And a metronome doesn't change. If anyone's ever worked or played music, they know that a metronome just keeps the same beat. It just starts and it just keeps the same beat. So the timing doesn't change. But after like two minutes, the metronome's start to sync up until all 30 of them are completely synced. And that for me is, is a completely amazing and perhaps the most important experiment that I ever saw, which is that there's a frequency that runs through the earth yeah. and it's completely coherent. It's like, um, I, I love the statement and it might even be Joe Dispenza again who said, coherence will always defeat incoherence. And I think we as a human being have that sort of responsibility to, to be coherent and yeah. have our energy on that sort of even keel of the earth and everything will just fall into place like people think when you're talking about energy they're going oh what are you talking about look quantum physics was able to break down the atom and go to the, the smallest molecule and then go beyond that and what they find that everything at its very core is simply made by energy and yeah. so we are the same as everything else, which means that our, at our very core, we are just energy. And that's why energy links. And that's why you feel it off people is because that's all we are. Energy is the most important thing. So give off 
a good energy, put the effort in to give off a good energy and you'll get it back in return. Yep. Uh, yeah, it, it springs to mind a quote, mate. Uh, I think it's attributed to Nikola Tesla, a genius that fought very much ahead of his time. But he said the fundamental laws of the universe, it all came down to energy, frequency and vibration. And it's it's true, mate. The, the energy you give off, you know yourself, mate, when you walk into a room and you get a vibe off someone, or even that term, even when it's used colloquially, you know, colloquially bad vibes there's there's a kernel of truth behind that even though it's used in a way where people just think oh it's just like a term that you know just means this person's bad or like there's something not right about them but that's what it is it's people don't realize it it is a it's a real thing vibration and energy that people give off and it though it speaks to intuition as well i think i'm not saying intuition is the answer to everything and it's infallible and it's never wrong it, it can be but it's also something that people could do well to listen to more listening to your gut your gut isn't always right but there is truth behind that again your gut is your second brain there's 95 percent of your serotonin is producing your gut uh the neurotransmitter so it's just it's getting people to to realize this mate and i know having you on and the conversation we had will make an impact it will get people thinking about things and again we will uh, i'll make sure that your work's like easily accessible to anybody listening to the podcast and the show notes and the likes of joe dispenza's work as well because like i really want to see that grow i want spirituality to be put on the map um and things like that but um yes go mate it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast um thank you uh, anytime brother uh, if you if you're ever back home i mean i'd love to even get a conversation in person or even do the podcast in person if you if you ever do return back to to glorious yeah, island like i'm i'm planning to do work with uh with teams with county teams going and uh talk about the idea of the environment and the negative environment takes away yeah, just just things like that and then i'm going to be maybe talking to a couple of universities about um mental health and stuff so i do really plan to get home and then to win and i'm, I'm going to be talking to the gyms and gym members about uh weight loss yeah because weight loss is a belief as well you know if uh, people yeah. who can't who can put in the effort in the gym but there's something else behind it and it's because of a negative belief so there's there's, there's lots for me to do in ireland i just have to sort of wait until i like i don't have to go into quarantine or something like that yeah and uh, because my life's over here you know my partner lives here so for in order for me to go to Ireland, I don't want to be doing like two weeks here and then starting my work. I want to get over and then get back again. So I do. I am. I am. I will be home hopefully before Christmas. So yeah. Yeah. By all means, we'll do that. We'll 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 have a a chat. Yes, apart from it, because uh, um, I do like the podcast on Zoom, but you know yourself, like the the type of conversation you can have in person would even be levels above what we we'll have, but. Mate, like I said, it's a pleasure having you on. The, the conversation has definitely been riveting. It's been very insightful and I've learned things and I know people listening can certainly have learned, have learned a few things or two. But uh, yes, so anybody listening, you can catch Garth and I'll link all the stuff on on uh, the podcast notes. And thank you, mate, for being on the podcast and uh, we'll see everybody in the next... Thank you for having thank me. You for, uh, no, it's my pleasure, Garth. And uh, for all the listeners in podcast land, that is today's episode, and we hope you've enjoyed it.